0: Hey, good to see you this weekend. Glad you're here Uh, joining us online. If it's your first time, welcome. Uh, Love the fact that you're kind of tuning in. I'm Dan, I'm one of the pastors at the Norton campus of Grace Church. Uh, If you have a Bible, or phone, or near a computer, you might to turn that to Matthew chapter one, Matthew first book of the New Testament, and then also put your finger in Luke chapter one. We're gonna kind of flip between the two. Uh, We're gonna continue our conversation, so this is Christmas. And uh, as we do that, I was thinking about this year, and it's been unusual, unique, uh, uh, for a lot of you, maybe unsettling. uh, You know, it can be something that's discouraging, frustrating to some, right? Uh, because it seems like it's always changing. And once again, uh, there's been some some changes. And so I told you last week that we would be communicating as those changes happen. And uh, so I can tell you this, that uh, I'd love for you to, at the end of our time together, uh, tune in. We're going to have a video at the end of this that we're going to share some of those changes. But I can tell you this right at the outset, uh, that this is gonna be a December that we didn't plan, but it's gonna be a December to remember, right? That's what we're hoping. Uh, we, for the month of December, in light of the fact that our county has gone purple in the county coding system, uh, we're gonna prefer others, and uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna try to express and demonstrate love of Jesus during this time. So for the month of December, uh, we're not gonna have live in-person services here, uh, the mass gatherings. Doesn't mean we're not gonna connect, doesn't mean the church isn't gonna serve. In fact, uh, you're gonna see some unique opportunities in the weeks to come, to connect, to come be a part of things on the weekend where we can take the love of Jesus into the middle of uh, a culture, a community that desperately needs to see that. And then we have some exciting plans for uh, Christmas Eve as well. So I'm really excited to share those with you. Stay tuned at the end of this uh, because this all kind of plays into what I wanna talk to you about, Right? Uh, This year is unsettling, it's frustrating, it leads to questions, and we're just kind of taking a look at some real raw human questions and saying how does the Christmas story kind of help us navigate them. And the question I want to look at today, right, and I don't know if you ever felt this way or not, but the question I want to look at today is what happens, ready, (laughs) how appropriate, what happens when what I plan to happen is not the plan that happened, right? Anybody relate, just kind of raise your hand, right? Uh, Any planners out there? I'd love to know, any planners? Are you a planner? Uh, you know you're a planner if you got your Christmas shopping done already, right? Hey, just kind of raise your hand. I can't see it, but raise your hand if you already have it done or mostly done. Uh, there's others of you out there, you haven't started and you don't plan on starting until the week of Christmas, right? Kind of raise your hand, right? You're that kind of person. Not really a planner, right? You do better under pressure, right? But you planners out there, you already got it, you've had it planned out for some time. And here's what I know about planners, right? Don't you love it that you make a plan and your plan goes exactly how you planned it. Are you with me? right? That's why you're a planner. You plan so that you can go things can go just as you plan. And it gets really frustrating when things don't go as you plan. Can we just say this? 2020 has been a wrecking ball for planners, right? It feels like nothing's gone like we've planned. Anybody relating with me on this, right? I mean, I meet with all kinds of couples and talk to them about their weddings and they want to get married in 2020. Nobody's wedding seemed to go like they planned. I didn't plan to wear a mask. I didn't plan to have limited number of guests. I didn't plan, right? Nothing. Uh, I I brought in uh, my calendar for 2020. Um, Let me hold it up. That's my calendar. And I want to tell you that in my calendar here, nothing absolutely nothing on there went as I planned it. I met with my secretary at the beginning of the year. We planned things out in detail. I was so excited about 2020. <laughs> about March, just like a house of cards, man. It just kind of went over like a, nothing happened. I look at my calendar, I'm like absolutely nothing that I have on there happened as I planned it. That's what happens, right? For some of you, that's what this year is. For some of you, uh, you didn't plan, right? You didn't plan not to be able to go on vacation. For some of you, you didn't plan to work from home. You didn't plan to do homeschooling. You didn't plan to do virtual online kind of stuff. You didn't plan that. For others of you, it's way bigger than that, right? Your plans haven't been the way that you planned it, right? Things have gone different than you planned them to go. For some of you, you didn't plan face the health crisis you are. For some of you, you didn't plan to lose your job. For some of you, you didn't plan to have to navigate some financial difficulty. For some of you, you didn't plan to have to walk with your kid through that crisis. For some of you, you didn't plan for that relationship to end. Here's what I know. When our plans change, it can be disheartening, discouraging, and it can be disappointing and frustrating. That's why the first Christmas helps us, Here's what I know. If we dare to take and allow the first Christmas to be the ordeal that it really was and not simply the ornament we make it out to be, I believe it can help us kind of navigate this question. At the heart of the story of Christmas is a major change of plans. I don't know if you ever read it that way or not, but at the heart of the story of Christmas, major change of plans. Last week, we zoomed in on a couple, uh, it's an obscure couple. They're probably not on your mantelpiece, right? Uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth. We looked at them last week. If you didn't get a chance to check that out, go back and listen to it, right? But, but this week, I want to zoom in on another couple that somehow had a major change of plans. And that, that other couple I want to zoom in on, they're right in the center of your mantelpiece, right? They're the ones that everybody knows. They're like the stars of the show, right? Other than Jesus, they're the stars, Mary and Joseph. And I'd love for us as we kind of zoom in on them because sometimes when we look at the Christmas story, we think everybody had their part memorized. They all came into the story ready to go. And yet here's what I know about Mary and Joseph. They played a part, ready? They didn't plan to play. It was an ordeal. It wasn't an ornament, right? The story starts in Matthew 1. Let's look at it. It's a fascinating story. Real people, right? Here's what it says. Matthew 1, let's go verse 18. This is what it says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, we're introduced to our two characters, right, Mary and Joseph. Joseph is where I want to lean in for a second. Joseph is a guy, probably a young adult at this age, and I believe this, that, that Joseph has a plan. We can kind of see that. You can kind of assume that, read that into the story at this point, right? Joseph has a plan. We know this from other parts, that Joseph was a carpenter, right? So he has a plan. He's going to marry Mary, right? They're maybe thinking about the Jewish wedding ceremony they're going to have. Uh, Maybe Joseph is thinking about, I'm going to open up a a custom cabinetry uh, shop. We're going to have 2.5 kids. I don't know. Something like that. He's a man with a plan. But look what it says next. It says, he was pleased to be married. Uh, She was pleased to be married to Joseph. And then look at the very next word. Say it out loud. But. (laughs) That word is, is a word that kind of finds its way to butt into our life, right? You ever have a butt butt into your life? <laughs> Butts have a way of butting into our life, right? And that word is a word that's like, uh-oh, change of plans, right? You ever had a butt butt into your life? I planned to retire this year, but. I planned to go on a nice vacation this but. I planned to finish school, but. I plan to finish my career at this company. But butts have a way of butting into our life and changing our plan. Same's true with Joseph. Look what happens. But before they came together, what does that mean? Came together for youth group, came together. What's it talking about? It's talking about what you think he's talking about, right? He says, What they decided, Mary and Joseph, different sermon. They decided they didn't have sex, right? Um, they weren't married. They were engaged in that custom, right? So before they came together sexually, uh-oh. Read the next part. Before they came together sexually, she was found to be pregnant. <laughs> can we just stop for a second? Can anybody? Can, can anybody just say out loud, "We got an ordeal now"? <laughs> can, can can we just say there's a change of plans? And can, can we at least let them be real? Like like, can we say it's not a minor change of plans? Like before they came together, they're engaged. He's got plans. I'm gonna, we're going to get married. And all of a sudden, she's pregnant. I double-dog dare you to let this couple be real. If you peek into the account in Luke 1, it kind of tells this from Mary's perspective. We're going to get there in a minute. You don't need to turn there. But but this way this thing plays out from Mary's perspective is simply this, that, that literally she's a young, probably teenage gal at this point, and she's engaged to Joseph. So she is like any other gal probably, right? She's thinking about, man, I'm going to have this incredible husband. We're going to get married. We're going to have this Jewish wedding ceremony, right? We're planning our wedding ceremony. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of her plans, an angel shows up. We're going to look at it in a second. This angel shows up and says to her, she's planning her wedding. She's planning all this stuff out. Says, you're going to be pregnant. She looks at him and says, uh, I'm a virgin. It says, you're going to be pregnant and God's going to somehow make this happen. Holy Spirit's going to make this happen in you. You, Mary, not engaged, or you're engaged, not married, you're going to be pregnant. And just like that, <laughs> her plans changed. Just like that. I am sure that Mary, what Mary planned to happen wasn't for that. All of a sudden, the plans that she planned to happen weren't the plans that were happening. Guys, what must she have been thinking? Just let her be real for a second. She had to be thinking to herself, my life just changed in a heartbeat. I'm going to be pregnant? Can you think about how she must have, in her mind, navigated the conversation I got to have with Joseph? I got to go to my fiance and, uh, hey, Joseph, uh, I, I gotta tell you something what's that Mary I'm pregnant jo- let Joseph be a real dude you know just like pardon me yeah I'm pregnant but don't worry Joseph uh, it, it's a god thing the Holy Spirit like Joe's like uh, I'd love to meet Holy Spirit guy right <laughs> Like, give my hands on him right like she's playing this out and she had to play this out like what if he freaks out? What if he kicks me to the curb? In her culture, she had to be thinking, I'm going to be a social outcast, unwed, pregnant. I'm going to end up being a single mom. Women didn't have incredible opportunities in that day and in that culture. She's thinking, I got to scrape together somehow a living for me and my kid. This isn't planning. The plan isn't happening like she planned it to happen. So Mary at some point in this goes and she lets Joseph know what's happening. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall in that conversation, right? Because the minute she shares this with Joseph, the minute he hears what's going on, guess what? Plans changed. And all of a sudden Joseph is hit with like, the way I plan things to happen isn't the plan that's happening. Can you imagine him receiving this news? Well, we can go beyond that because here's what happens. Verse 19, chapter 1, Matthew, he received the news and because Joseph, her husband, culturally the engagement would have been way different than ours, was faithful to the law, so he was a good guy, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Several things are interesting here. His change of plans didn't change his character. That's interesting to me. His character never changed, even though his plans changed, right? He's going he's gonna to divorce her, which engagement, they were engaged. In, he Literally, there would it would have been binding. But he's going to do it because he doesn't want her to be subject to public disgrace. Guys, he, he could have said, I'm a victim of circumstance, right? He, he could have all kinds of justification. The, the people would have been like, yeah, man, that's like... But it didn't change his character at all. And so Joseph did what Joseph does. He starts what? He starts making a plan. I think Joseph was a planner personally. He starts, "This is what I'm going to do." And I love Mary. I bet his heart's broken. I bet he's like, "I don't know, May, you know, what's going on? What is the truth?" Like I have to think at this point. He's like, "I don't. What's what's happening?" So he starts making a plan. Look what it says next, verse 20. It says, "What, but there's that word again. A but, but in right. All of a sudden, there's that word again." After he had considered this, that word means he thought about it and mauled over. He didn't panic. He considered it. He thought about it, he mauled it. An angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It's like God wants Joseph she's not immoral and she's not insane. Like like Joseph. Like she didn't go cheating on you, right? And she's also not crazy. Like, it'd be easy for him to think either, right? She'll give birth to a son. Let yourself be Joseph for a second. Your, your fiance, Mary, is going to give birth to a son. You, oh, I'm playing a part. You, not her, you are to give him the name Jesus. You're going to be the earthly father figure of this baby. Okay, why? Why give him the name Jesus? Because he'll save his people from their sins. Oh, what? I was looking for a son to help me in the cabin, cabinet shop. My son's going, to, what? Yeah, your son's going to save his people from their sins. And all this has taken place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. Oh, the Old Testament prophets talked about my son? My, my, the one that Mary's carrying? Yeah, the virgin. Oh, you mean Mary? Yeah, will conceive and give birth to a son and they'll call him. Check this out. Emmanuel which means God with us. In a minute, boom. Joseph going to get married, man with a plan, right? Gonna open up cap, custom cabinet shop. 2.5 kids, right? All of a sudden change. Guess what? Your wife's already pregnant. I know you're not together yet, but she's already pregnant. But, but she's gonna give birth to a son because Holy Spirit made this happen. And you, Joseph, I want to be the earthly father figure. Give him the name Jesus because he's gonna save his people from their sins. And by the way, he's the one, the one that Mary's gonna give birth to is the one the Old Testament prophets talked about. Oh, and by the way, woo, imagine this, it's gonna be actually God in the flesh. <laughs> and you're gonna be the earthly father. Can we just say it? Planned? his plans didn't happen the way he planned it? <laughs> What's going on here? In essence, God sent an angel to Joseph to tell him this. This is the big point for today. He sent an angel to Joseph. I don't have to understand the plan. I bet Joseph didn't understand what is going on to trust God has a purpose. Well, the angel made sure to tell Joseph, like, there's a purpose going on here. Because I think Joseph's like, what is happening? And the angel's like, God has a purpose. God is doing something. And sometimes I don't have to trust, I don't have to, I, I don't have to know and understand the plan to trust God has a purpose. It makes me think of a passage in Proverbs that says this, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Can we be honest? Let's just be honest. Trusting God's easy. Just lean in for a second. When everything goes like I planned. <laughs> I like it when I make plans I, I don't know if you're like me. You're probably not, right? I like when I make plans and everybody around me agrees with my plans. <laughs> is there anybody with me? Right? I'll be honest. You're the same way, right? You know what I really like? I like when I make plans, everybody around me agrees with my plans, and I really like it when God agrees with my plans. I love it when when, when God is, is kind of like, I'm in on that. But you know what makes me a little ouchy? is when I make plans, and I tend to get a little ouchy when he doesn't and when my things don't go as planned. For many of us, that's 2020. And I was thinking about my life. Maybe you to do this. I was taking a little inventory of my life and what I realized that my entire life, my entire life is full of plans that were always changed. They didn't happen the way I planned them to happen. You ever think about your life this way? Like, Like, as I think about my life, I go back I won't take it clear back, but I'll go back to high school. And my plan was to go to a small school in Pennsylvania and play football. That's that all I planned to do. Loved football, wanted to play football, had picked out the school I wanted to go to. My senior year of, of football, uh, I got hurt. Found out I had a, a birth defect, needed surgery. All of a sudden, it changed my plans. All of a sudden, my plans went from going to this small school and playing football to I went to a school that I really wasn't that excited about that was 10 hours from my home. I went to Grace College in Winona Lake, Indiana, 10 hours from the mountains, right? And I can remember I would drive, and it was the longest drive, and and, and I would drive to Grace. And about 20 minutes outside of Grace, you always knew you were getting close to Grace on Route 30. When you pass this, this little little dumpy church that met in a trailer. And we used to always make fun of it, like this little dinky church, like what's going on there, that place is dead, you know, all that kind of, but we knew we were getting close to Grace. So I went to Grace College, and while I was at Grace College, I'm like, I want to be a math teacher. So I became a math major, I want to be a math teacher and coach football. But, (laughs) see, there's that but, but I encountered calculus. (laughs) And all of a sudden, my plans changed. And all of a sudden, my plans changed, and I became a counseling major because I wanted to all of a sudden help people. And I knew somehow I was going to go into ministry and maybe the pastorate. Along the way, I met this this great gal, and we got kind of serious in our relationship and began talking about maybe spending our life together. But (laughs) she informed me, I don't want to be married to no pastor. (laughs) They don't make very much money is what she said to me. And she broke up with me had no idea that that was one of the biggest blessings that could ever happen to me, the fact that this gal broke up with me because I I, I started dating this wonderful gal named Jennifer, right, who I ended up marrying, ended up marrying, got a job at the school, got a job at the school. And uh, as we got this job at the school, I'm working in the dean's office, I'm discipling young men, I'm working with, and, and my wife, along with, my friend and, and his wife, my best friend, and, and they, were, they, they became pregnant at the same time. We're gonna have kids at the same time. The very same time, it's like, oh, this is so cool, but, but, you know, my wife endured an awful miscarriage. and All of a sudden, we were excited for our friends and grieving, I realized that as we endured that awful miscarriage, apart from that, we would have never had a son whose name was Joel wasn't long till I was enjoying this job at Grace and I got the news, just kind of had a vision for what my job at Grace was going to be like, but we're, we're doing layoffs. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I was one of those layoffs. I'm like, what am I going to do? I have a young kid and all of a sudden, this group of people who 20 miles from Grace College wanted to plant a church and get it started. Ask if I would come and do that and work a couple other jobs along with that. And the place we were going to start this church was, you got it, in that dinky little trailer that I passed for all those years. It's fascinating, right? My wife and I went there, and we had our our beautiful daughter. And, man, we're planting this church. God's growing it. I have a son. I have a daughter. It's like, this this, this is what we wanted, a son, a daughter. This is great. But... (laughs) But one day my wife comes in and says, I got some news for you. I'm like, what's that? She said, I'm pregnant. I said, how'd that happen? (laughs) Surprise. only realized I could never imagine my life without Aaron, our youngest son. Life went along. We grew the church. God did incredible things there. It was awesome to see what God was doing there in Columbia City. I just figured that we would be there as their pastor for for the long haul. But God didn't send me an angel, by the way. He sent me this short little guy with a bony finger that thinks he's good looking. And he said, I wonder if you'd pray about coming and being a part of kind of taking the ministry that I had built and and going from there. God brought us here to Norton. Wow, this is wonderful when we got here. And all during our time here, there's been buts, right? I remember sitting in my office, planning a vision campaign on a Tuesday morning. I was going to share it with the elders that night, but somebody came running down the hall. There's a fire in the building. All of a sudden, plans changed. Here's what I found out about my life. It's interesting that all throughout my life, my plans have changed, but God's purposes, God's purposes have remained. And sometimes my change of plans are the very thing that opened the door for me to experience his purpose in my life. What did Joseph do? Look what he did. When Joseph woke up, verse 24, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took home Mary as his wife, but he didn't consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. He said yes to God's purpose, even though that changed his plans. Listen, and his change of plans wasn't easy. His plans changing wasn't easy. There's nothing easy about this. He literally is walking around the community with a pregnant wife. It's like, how'd that happen? What's up? Right? He, He consciously makes a decision not to consummate their marriage until she has the kid. Beyond that, before she has the child, all of a sudden, everybody's called to go to their hometown because of taxes, right? They're to be taxed, to register. He goes to Bethlehem. He has to travel with a pregnant wife to Bethlehem. No room in the inn. You know the story. She gives birth in a farm pen. <laughs> he is the attending physician. Only as the kid becomes the toddler, to flee to Egypt because the ruler kills all of the baby boys. Him saying yes to God's purposes and changing his plans was not easy for Joseph. What's the point for you and I? I want you to write this down somewhere, but the point is this. The point for you and I as followers of Christ, I'll surrender my plans. Here's the key to a predetermined yes to his purposes. You see, the key is to predetermine. I'm gonna say yes to his purposes. His purposes are what I'm saying yes to. And so what I'll do is I'll submit my plans to that predetermined yes. What I want more than anything is to be a part of his purpose for my life. And so I'm going to submit my plans. What if, guys, what if when life threw us a curveball, we, like Joseph, didn't panic, but we pondered and looked for the purposes of God even in our change of plans? That's what he's saying. And he's saying it's not always going to be easy, right? Right? But what if we trusted and believed that God's purposes were good? Even if we weren't sure we always liked the plan. Even if we didn't always understand the plan. It reminds me of Romans eight, you remember that passage? We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. Okay, he doesn't say everything's good. They all work together for the good, right? And are called according to his what? purpose for them this is what he's saying he says sometimes when there's a change of plans I'm going to trust his purpose because his purpose is good to work together whatever that change for the good of those who love him somebody once said to me what ain't good right now what if it ain't good he ain't done (laughs) that's what I would say I begin to think about my life. What if the change of plans that you're experiencing in your life right now are accomplishing a good purpose that you can't see? What if they're accomplishing a good purpose that will far outlive you and outlast you? What if the change of plans that we're experiencing in 2020 is God's way of accomplishing a good purpose in us as a church? Little C here at Norton, big C in the United States. You see what I mean? What happens when what I plan to happen isn't the plan that happens is I trust God's purposes. And so when I trust his purposes, I'll hold my plans with an open hand. Mary and Joseph had to change of plans. Joseph ended up surrendering to God's purpose, even though it would mean life-changing plans for him. Mary did the same. In the story from her perspective, we're not going to spend a lot of time there, but is very fascinating and there's something I want you to see in here. Uh, flip over to Luke 1. I want to show you this. Verse 26, six month of Elizabeth, last week, her pregnancy, God sent angel, same angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, underline that in your Bibles, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. We've been reading about him. A descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Angel says to her, Greetings, you who are, circle this, highly favored. The Lord's with you. Mary was greatly troubled, not at the angel, but at his words. That's interesting to me. And wondered what kind of greeting. She's like troubled at the greeting. What kind of greeting is this? But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found, circle this, favor with God. Why do I have you circle that? When it says highly favored, when the word favor is the word for grace, he's saying you are highly favored. Grace. What he's saying is this. You are the recipient of something that is unmerited, unearned, God's grace. She is troubled. Angel shows up, you'd figure she's troubled that the angel came, right? But what troubled her more was what he said. Mary's troubled at the fact that she is the object. She's startled. She's like, what? I'm the object of God's unmerited favor? his grace, his unearned love, her response indicates that she's shocked. She didn't expect it. Listen to me. Put this in the side of your Bible somewhere. If God's grace doesn't shock you, it will never amaze you. Somebody ought to write a song, God's Shocking Grace, so that we could sing that before Amazing Grace. (laughs) If it doesn't shock you, it will never amaze you. It's troubling because it's so unexpected, it's so undeserving. Beyond that, he seems to say, she's a virgin. Luke wants us to know, she's a virgin, what does that mean? Well, she's a gal of childbearing age that's not had sex. That's that's all he's saying. Well, what happens then, verse 31, you'll conceive, give birth to a son, you're to call him Jesus. That's also what they told Joseph. He'll be great, be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give you the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never... You're going to have a child, the one the prophets talk about, and he's going to be the king and he's going to last forever. And here's what she says. How will this be since I'm a what? There's our word, virgin. Luke seems to go out of his way to make sure the readers know she's a virgin. Three times now he's mentioned it. Why? Because her plans are changing because the purpose of God in her life is to pull off something in her life that, quite frankly, she cannot do on her own. There's no way a virgin can have a child. Verse 35, angel answered, Holy Spirit will come on you. Power of Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called Son of God. When Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Here's what the angel's saying to her, and then we're going to draw this to an end. He's saying, you're the special recipient of God's undeserved, unearned favor and grace. He's saying, I'm going to do something in you that you can't do and you won't earn. You literally are going to carry the child that is God in the flesh inside of you. And your yes, Mary, to me and to what God wants for you means this, that you're going to play a role that you could have never planned for yourself. Look at what she says. I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left. Listen, guys, let's end this thing. (laughs) Mary said yes to his purpose. I don't think that's an easy yes. She said yes to his purpose. And she received this undeserved, unearned gift, and she carried the Godchild around for nine months. She gave birth on that first Christmas day in a farm pen to God in the flesh. Mary raised the Christ child. We don't have a lot of information about that. We know one day she lost him at church, <laughs> you know? We don't have a lot of information about that. Somewhere along the way, you might not know this, she probably became a single mom. Like, like, Joseph died, but Joseph all of a sudden stops being talked about. Joseph's no longer in the picture. What happened to her son Jesus that she gave birth to in that little farm pen? He grew up. He became this incredible miracle worker. He's a really famous teacher for a while. He's really popular. Then all of a sudden, the popularity shifted. And all of a sudden, the religious people became really bothered by him, and he became unpopular. Listen close. Mary never could have nor would have planned that her predetermined yes to God's purpose would lead her one day to the foot of a Roman cross where she would watch that son that she birthed in a farm pen, stripped naked, thrown across a Roman cross and nailed to that cross, ridiculed, beaten beyond belief, rejected, and to stand at the foot of that cross and watch her son die between two common criminals. But that's exactly, that's exactly where her predetermined yes to his purpose led her. Why? <laughs> Why? Because this Christmas, God is telling you something, just like Gabriel was telling Mary. Sorry, you don't get an angel. <laughs> you get a bald preacher online. But I think here's what he's telling you. He's simply telling you that I, you, I am the predetermined purpose of God that caused Jesus to say yes to the plan of the cross. You, my friend, are the object of God's undeserved, unearned favor. It's called grace. Jesus died and did for you what you can't do on your own. That's the story. That's the reason. You're the object of God's kindness, his mercy, his undeserved grace. Let that shock you. Because only when it shocks you will it begin to amaze you and only when it begins to amaze you will it transform you. Fact of the matter is the minute you say yes to Jesus, the fact that he died in your place for your sin, the minute you say yes to Jesus, do you wanna know something? God lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit of God takes up residence inside of you. You carry around the Spirit of God. You know what he says? That the minute you say yes to Jesus and receive this gift of grace, that moment Spirit of God resides within and God says this, you are now my workmanship. You're my masterpiece. I want to do in you and through you things that you could never do on your own. That's the power of this story. You see, when I trust his purpose, I submit my plans, right? For some of you, you've never said yes to Jesus. Why not right there in your living room? Why not right there at your kitchen table, in the car, wherever you're watching this, why not right there? You can right now, Just you don't have to bow your head and say, God, I believe you love me. There's nothing I did or could do to deserve that, earn that, accomplish that. But I believe when Jesus died, that was the demonstration of your love. That he did for me what I couldn't do for myself. And today, right here in my car, right here at the kitchen table, right here at the cafe, I want to say yes, Jesus, to you as my Savior. I want to say yes to you as my leader and King. The moment you do that, the Spirit of God comes and resides in you now are a child of God. You now are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You carry around God. And he says this, I want to do in and through you things that you could never imagine, if you'll trust my purpose. And if you'll trust my purpose, then you'll submit your plans, even if they don't happen the way you planned. Why? Because my purpose is good. And so, God, we trust that. I believe that. 2020 has been a constant change of plans. God, I pray that you would help us in the middle of plans that are always changing to trust your purpose and hold our plans with an open hand. I love you. I trust you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.